0: Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Happy you're here. Happy 400th birthday. Oh, that's amazing. 400 years, 400 years of religious freedom, we have the question today, how much longer so thank you, Corey and Bill and Opal and Kim. thank you. Thank you for joining in today and being a part of this being a part of this family, this family that gets together Monday through Friday, rain sleet or snow we're we're like the u s postal service We're here every day Monday through Friday. well have bankers hours every now and then and so we gather here at seven a.m. to lift up one another, and to lift up the right to pray, the right to lift our voice, pray one for another, care one for another in this difficult season that we're in. So thank you, thank you, Tricia, Barbara, Debbie, Ella. Thank you for being a part of this. Share the page, follow the page, like the page, and I'm happy you are here. Wednesday, November 11. How much longer? Four centuries of religious freedom. i uh, It's hard to imagine, 400 years ago today, those passengers on the Mayflower signed a compact. Many of them stepped ashore into America. They came here to worship freely, to lift up their hands, their voices. No fear, no oppression, no intimidation, no persecution. So today, today we're just encouraging you, find two or three. Do what we're doing here, but find two or three, 20 or 30, 230, 300, find some public space, fill it with your prayers and praise. It's not a right to be taken lightly. So I do urge you to share this with someone and let's just see the power of praise. Who knows? Maybe a prodigal will hear and come back home. Maybe someone cold in the Lord will be renewed in their faith. Also here in the U.S., we celebrate Veterans Day. A day that we honor all those who have served in our armed forces. Thank you for your service. What a special day this is. What a great day to be alive. What a pivotal day. This is a day for you to shine, shine, shine. Amen. This little light of mine, let it shine. And let's see God do some great things today. There are... Few ships that have captured America's attention. I guess the Titanic would be one. The Nina Penta Santa Maria, of course, those ships have captured our attention, but all else pale in comparison to the Mayflower. Her 66-day crossing of the Atlantic 400 years ago arouses our curiosity, admiration, and amazement. Ordinarily, we think of these folks at Thanksgiving, but today, think of them again. When they landed in 1620, there was already a colony at Jamestown, Virginia, but for a lot of reasons, some of which stem from the Civil War. America today views the arrival of the Mayflower passengers at Plymouth to be the true beginnings of this nation. In the immediate years preceding the Civil War, Along with the beginning of that group, that third awakening, attention was once again fastened on that lonely outpost in New England. William Bradford's history of the group had been rediscovered, and a fascination with it developed with the approaching Civil War, and it provided strength to them. It can provide strength now. So, four hundred years ago today, they signed a, a little agreement called the Mayflower, the Mayflower Compact. A new world began. And the Mayflower itself would soon go all the the way of all the earth. Once it went back to England, it would be sold off for scrap. The ship herself was lost, but the worship it represented still lives in us today. I like what John Ortberg said about worship. I need to worship because without it, I can forget. I've got a big God beside me and I can live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinders on. I need worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. I need to worship. Can I get a witness to that? It wasn't easy for these folks on the Mayflower Just a few dozen of them were separatists. They were called nonconformists. That was how would you like to be called a nonconformist, be not conformed to this world. It meant that they didn't worship in accordance with the Anglican church, which was, of course, the state church of the British Empire. They didn't view themselves as reformers from within. Those people were called Puritans. Rather, they were separatists, the English separatist church. They went their own way. They argued for separation of church and state and the formation of a church that was congregational and not hierarchical. This, of course, didn't set well with the monarchy. A nonconformist attracted a lot of persecution. In the years leading up to the Separatists fleeing initially from England to Holland, that's before they came to America, three of their leaders were executed as criminals under Queen Elizabeth I. Under King James I, yes, of the King James Bible, the persecution continued. Key separatists, William Brewster, William Bradford, John Robinson, who was the pastor of the group, they fled individually to a community called Leiden in Holland, and there they went to worship freely. They would stay there for about a dozen years. They did prosper there. They purchased a home in which they worshiped God, served as their meeting place, but they watched their children get lost in a strange culture, and it became more difficult to honor the Lord's day. According to the separatist tradition, it was late Saturday afternoon, the community of the faithful were to start retiring from work and public gatherings, get alone with God, prepare their hearts for Sunday morning. This was simply not the Dutch way, and the separatists soon decided to immigrate to the New World. Archbishop of Canterbury viewed the separatists as troublemakers for the church and state. But then came the Comet of 1618. Green had a long tail, and it convinced them they had to get out. They had to leave. And finally, a few dozen left Leiden, journeyed to Southampton. There they would board the Mayflower. All in all, 101 passengers, less than half, were separatists. It would be William Bradford who named them from Hebrews 11, where strangers and pilgrims are referenced. Bradford called that little group of people, that few dozen group of people, pilgrims. They boarded the Mayflower. It was old. It was falling apart. Too many passengers, too small an area, along with food and dogs and goats and pigs and chickens. The 66-day voyage was filled with sickness, death, and peril. And finally, they came to the New World just off Cape Cod. And today, 400 years ago, November the 11th, 1620, anchored off the shore of a New World, a group of 41 men signed the Mayflower Compact. They agreed to work together in harmony, and they stepped foot in the New World. It'll be over the next several months, the settlers mostly lived on the Mayflower, would be ferried back and forth from shore, First to find a suitable place turned out to be the western side of Cape Cod Bay, a place they called Plymouth. Their first order of business was survival. They had landed at a terrible time of the year. Winter was coming. On Christmas Day of that year, they built a public community house where everyone could gather. They built a fort, a watchtower, what's now known as burial hill that would contain the graves of the original settlers because many died. In that first winter, more than half of them perished in that first harsh winter. Poor nutrition, inadequate clothing and housing. The indigenous habits of that region, inhabitants of that region, been severely struck by a plague two years before. But one of them could speak English. He became their interpreter, taught them about the land, how to fish, how to farm, how to hunt, and they survived. And in their survival, others came. Who were these people? They had little to no education. They had very few books. In fact, they distrusted any educated person, and they became a symbol to us of courage and of determination. But they also embodied a government that would come, a government that would be built on the freedom of worship, unhindered, unimpeded by the state. At the 200th anniversary in 1820, Daniel Webster referred to them as Pilgrim Fathers, and that name stuck. And now at the 400th anniversary, we realize how much we value these people. Because of that one ship, we have a nation that worships in freedom. We can lift our voices in praise freely. Worship is why you and I were created. We were created to give God glory, not just in the four walls of a church, but throughout our lives, in everything we do, in our business, God comes first. He comes first by an incredibly large margin. In Augustine's ordering of the loves, God comes, God comes first, then other things follow. So high, so intense is our love for God. It motivates us to leave everything, follow him. He's our priority. Jonathan Edwards, so instrumental in that first great awakening, said that religion, which God requires and will accept, does not consist in weak, dull and lifeless wishes, raising us but a little above a state of indifference. Oh, no. God wants the fire of religious freedom and worship. Moses said, without you, God, we can't go anywhere. All else is expendable, but his presence is the ultimate priority in our lives. That was the message that Jesus kindly put to Martha. You remember those two sisters of Lazarus who entertained Jesus and the disciples. But on on one occasion, on one occasion, only a week from the crucifixion, Martha was busy in the kitchen while Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words. And when Martha asked Jesus to rebuke Mary for her seeming lethargy, Jesus shook his head and said, Martha, you are covered about with so many things but only one thing is needful. Only one thing is needful, and I, I I need the Lord more than I need anything else. More than the air I breathe. More than the songs I sing. More than our next heartbeat. More than anything, He comes first, and my right to worship Him and to put Him first. Jesus said, in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first. This was the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes first. He promises that if we seek him, we will find him. And those who hunger and thirst after him will be filled. We've got to make room for God. Here in this increasingly crazy life, unclutter your life from the lesser gods and make room for the one true and living God. Do you know in a sense too, in a sense too, Yvette, Karen, Estella, Kirk, Cindy, do you know in a sense we too are separatists. We are taught to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. That's the departure. But notice this next phrase, and I will receive you. We only step away from the world to be more received by God. We come out from those uh, that are around us and we're separate. We separate ourselves from the seduction of the secondary and find space in our lives for more and more of God. The 27th Psalm, one thing have I desired, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold his beauty, to inquire in his temple, we've got to get that one thing, the priority of his presence in our heart. That is our freedom of religion. That is our freedom to worship. And never is that more needful than what it is right now. doesn't matter what you plan to do next week, next month, next year. Prioritize his presence in the moment for right now, because the freedom to worship, it is at stake. In the first amendment of our US Constitution it's found there the freedom of religion. In 1993 under the Bill Clinton administration the Religious Freedom Restoration Act was passed because there was an increasingly there was an increasing encroachment of the government on religious freedom. Secularism was on the rise. Religious freedom is more than going to church on Sunday morning. It means that you and I as believers can live out our faith without conforming to the culture, without conforming to government expectations, that florists and photographers and bakers who are people of faith should not be forced to do things that violate their faith. These rights don't come from a constitution. They come from God. In the Declaration of Independence, these are the inalienable rights given to each person by their creator. They are not rights granted to us by a benevolent government. They are as integral to us as the air we breathe. It's the purpose for which we were born. Those of us of a certain age may remember the oppression of those trying to worship behind the iron curtain, the bamboo curtain. People couldn't gather to worship. It was outlawed. They were punished for it. They were thrown in jail. Many actually lost their lives to exercise that freedom to live out their faith. Freedom. To me, it's so important. We are free to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We are free to form our convictions that may differ from others. We are free to lift our voices. We are free to set aside a time of uh, day for worship, free to live out our faith, free to grow in faith, free to raise our families as we choose, free to let our Christian faith impact our values and lifestyles, free to hold a Christian world perspective, that we operate in a way that is true to the cross, free to our beliefs, free, but this freedom is being marginalized and restricted how much longer? We've had four centuries of religious freedom, but how much longer? Because this freedom is under threat. It is under threat. Just last week, Christian charity organizations were before the U.S. Supreme Court arguing that they have a mission to care for children, and in that mission to care for children, they should be able to determine who Adopts those children without fear of the state. They said the state was trying to hollow out their faith, where people could preach but not practice their beliefs. At what point will we lose our religious freedom? Some would say we are already past that point. The year of 2020 has revealed a bias against uh, people of faith. Liquor stores were open, churches remained closed. Casinos were open, churches remained closed. We were actually told that singing and worshiping was part. We should stop singing and worshiping because we were super spreaders when we did that. The freedom of religion is under assault. In 2015, when the Obergefell court case passed, a dissenting minority noticed that it would be a direct challenge to free speech and worship, and they were prophetic. Policies, legislations, court decisions encroach on our religious freedom. They violate our core beliefs. Tim Keller once said, God directs his people not simply to worship, but to sing his praises before the nations. We are called not simply to communicate the gospel to nonbelievers. We must also intentionally celebrate the gospel before them. In other words, we have a faith that must be lived out. It can't just be in the seclusion, in the corner of our own private rooms. We have to live out our faith. The consequences of restricting religious freedom, they're profound. As people are told they can't worship freely, can't act according to their conscience, can't speak, can't act on their religious belief, we will see a tyranny develop. That's designed to muzzle not only free speech but our faith and to marginalize our beliefs. Now, I want you to know. Let me just tell you, I, I, I'm going to. I I need to defend the truth about as much as I need to defend the lion. Uh, We're just going to open up the cage and let the lion out. And by that, I mean, we're just going to worship God and we're going to open up our voices and allow our faith to fight for us and allow our freedom to worship, to gain control of the heavenlies, to lift up your praise. He still inhabits the praises of his people, whether we're inside of the church building or around the kitchen table, we're going to worship God. God. We cannot allow the religious freedoms from the past four centuries to be removed. How much longer are we free to worship? I don't know. I don't know. If certain people have their way, not much longer. So today, this 400th anniversary of the Mayflower landing on these shores, would you take a moment, get out in the public arena, open your mouth, lift up your hands, pray, praise, worship God, and remember, it's all because there was a group of people that risked everything, a group of people that were thought to be a cult, a group of people that were thought to be very strange. And if, and if they had disappeared from the face of the earth, not very many people would have cared. But these people risked all for freedom to worship. And I think today we ought to step out into the public arena and lift up our voices and praise God, because this is a right that cost people so very, very much today. Today's the 400th anniversary. Today is a 400th anniversary of people on that Mayflower stepping into the new world. Let's make it a new world, folks. How much longer? Do you know, I, I've, just, I've just been asking God for the crazy. You ready? Here's my crazy prayer request. I said, God, you gave us 400 years. I feel like Abraham bargaining with God over the cities of the plain. I said, God, you gave them 400 years. Would you give us four more? Would you give us 40 more? I, and lately, I've just been so bodacious and bold. I said, God, give us another 400. I won't be around to see it all, but may freedom ring from sea to shining sea. May we have the freedom to lift up our voices. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, and I can sense that freedom and liberty right now in this devotion. Get out somewhere today. Don't, don't, don't be in a closet. Don't don't bow your head at your desk all alone in your room, but just step out and say, Hey folks, why don't we just pray for our nation? Hey everybody, do you know the song Amazing Grace? Let's just sing Amazing Grace. Let's live out our faith while we have the chance, because we don't know how much longer may God give us many, many more years. Leave your prayer requests out to the side. Please share one with another. Thank you, Charles and Dee and Lucy and Millie and Tom. Thank you for being a part of this today. And may God be with you all day. Let's go celebrate religious freedom. Amen. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.